Today's Inside the Chapel podcast is presented by Sports Spectrum, the intersection of sports and faith. Make sure you check out sportsspectrum.com right now and sign up for Sports Spectrum Weekly, our weekly email that comes right to your inbox for free to keep you updated on all of the content that Sports Spectrum is producing. Podcasts, articles, devotionals, all available for free at sportsspectrum.com. Well, hey, everyone. It's great to be back. It's good to have you here on our Inside the Chapel podcast. This has been a great opportunity for us as we've dived into the world of sports in a way that a lot of people don't actually get access to. So we're taking a look at the chapel talks, the chapel services and opportunities that athletes have uh, before they compete. Um, on all levels. And so I, my name is Reza Zadeh. I'm the team chaplain for the Denver Broncos. And I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Icky. Icky, why don't you introduce yourself to our friends and then also let us know who we're going to be hearing from today. Yeah, Reza, so great to be with you and so great to be with all of you all who are listening today. And our uh, speaker today is a good friend of mine because he's one of the other Rockets chaplains like me with the Houston Rockets. And his name is Malcolm Marshall. He and Stacy, his wife, uh, have two daughters. And this message today, I'm sure, is so timely and is going to bless you. So give it a listen. His message from John chapter 4, The Woman at the Well. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has been quoted as saying, Every crisis has both its dangers and its opportunities. Each can spell either salvation or doom. Think about your life right now. What opportunities might be lying in front of you? I want to attempt to answer that question today as we learn from the example of Jesus as he engages with a woman whose society looks down upon. I want to read to you from the gospel according to John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. This is the story of Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman. John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord reads as follows. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. What we're going to see in these first few verses is Jesus being intentional. The shortest route from Judea in the south to Galilee, which was in the north, was to go through Samaria. The journey generally took about three days, and the Jews often avoided Samaria by going around it along the Jordan River. The hatred and tension between the Jews and the Samaritans went back to the days of the exile. Samaritans were a racially mixed group of individuals, part Jewish, part Gentile. 
and they were disdained by both Jews and non-Jews alike. They were considered unclean and not pure-blooded. The very last part of verse 6 said, Jesus went to the well at noon. At noontime, it's hot, and it's a time when travelers are thirsty. Notice what Jesus did. He went there when he knew there wouldn't be a crowd. That speaks to our God's intentionality. I wonder if God might be calling you in this time to take a route other than the one you're used to so that he can position you to engage someone who needs to be reminded that even if society says thumbs down, God says thumbs up. In the midst of our current global crisis, is this opportunity a time for you to be used of God to bless someone else? I'm in no way encouraging you to be rash or foolish, but I am challenging you to consider where might there be an opportunity for you to be intentional with someone who needs to see a real life example of Jesus with flesh on? Now, I want to look back in John chapter four, verses seven through 15, and we're going to see what else we can learn from Christ's example. John chapter four, starting in verse seven, the word of the Lord says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Here in these verses, 7 through 15, we get to see Jesus model what it means to be incarnational. Incarnational is defined as immersing oneself into a local culture and being the hands and feet of Jesus to that culture. Now, normally women would come draw water in the morning or the evening when it was cooler. But this woman came when no one else would be there because, again, society told her she was less than. Jesus broke all these cultural norms of the day. He was a Jew engaging with a Samaritan. He's a man engaging with a woman by acknowledging her personhood and asking for her, asking her for a drink. Jesus, number one, stirred her curiosity. But number two, 
he also bestowed dignity on her. He didn't approach her like he had all the answers, even though he did. He demonstrated a need and permitted her a chance to be a part of seeing to it that the need was met. Practically speaking, in the midst of our current global crisis, who would benefit from you going against the grain and being the hands and feet of Jesus to them? Who can you be incarnational with? Generally speaking, people have to invest their hands and their hearts towards something in order to feel valued. As Jesus was being incarnational with this woman, we see him involving her hands. But he's also about to involve her heart in these next few verses. John chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. This is what the word of the Lord says. Verse 16, John 4. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. All right, so let me back up for just a moment. In verse 10, when Jesus refers to living water, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. And this woman takes Jesus's words literally and misunderstands what he means. But the Holy Spirit is what brings this whole interaction together. See, in verse 15, when she asks for this water, Jesus abruptly responds in verse 16 with, go get your husband. What does going and getting her husband have to do with her getting this water? Absolutely everything. Did you notice what Jesus did? He inquired about her. He asked about her family. By gently and strategically entering her world to get beyond the surface, he's showing us how to get to the issues of the heart. See, when the Holy Spirit is involved, things change. Afterwards, he concludes that he was, or excuse me, she concludes that he was a prophet, one divinely inspired with supernatural knowledge. And when you continue reading John 4, you'll see how, because Christ was intentional, he was incarnational, and lastly, he was relational. Those three aspects, being intentional, being incarnational, and being relational, those things changed this lady's life so much that she went and testified to the whole town about him. Now, I've suggested a couple of opportunities already, but I've got one more I'd like to give you before we conclude. I want to define the word codependency. Codependency is defined as the chronic neglect of self in order to gain approval, validation, or identity through some other source. Here's the final opportunity I believe God has for us in this time. We've got an opportunity to listen to the right voice. See, right now, everyone is saying something. And it's not all bad stuff. Some of it's actually very beneficial. But if we are not careful, 
we run the risk of becoming codependent on all these voices, so much so that the one voice that matters most, we won't be able to clearly hear. Jesus met the woman at the well where she was by being intentional with her, by being incarnational with her, and by being relational with her. And in doing so, he didn't have to compete with any other voices vying for her undivided attention. Can the same thing be said about you? Is Christ having to compete with other voices for your undivided attention? Every crisis has both its dangers and its opportunities. And contrary to popular opinion, there are some profound opportunities before us right now. If I could leave you with one final thought, it'd be this. Everyone who's talking right now hasn't earned the right to speak into your life. Be careful who you listen to. Let me close in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this time. Thank you that we get to gather around your word. And I pray that these verses from John 4 would be an encouragement to each and every one of us to be intentional, to be incarnational, and to be relational in the same way that you've modeled that for us. Father, we want to ask for your forgiveness in which you've asked us, you've called us, you've challenged us to be those things and we didn't do it. We disobeyed. We chose not to step into those spaces. I pray that this word today would be an encouragement, uh, a breath of fresh air for someone to see themselves as an extension of your grace here in the earth. And they would step into being intentional, being incarnational and being relational. Thank you for loving us beyond our own comprehension. And I do ask in the name above all names, Christ Jesus, our Lord, that you would grace us with what we need to do what you've called us to do in the way of representing you well. You're an amazing God. You continue to look out for us. You continue to care for us and provide for us. And we pray that even in the midst of a crisis, we would look for those opportunities. We bless you, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wow, what a timely, timely message for what many of us are going through in our world today. Reza, I don't know about you, but uh, that focus on being intentional and incarnational uh, because there are hurting and broken people and all the stuff, the drama that's going on in our world right now. What are some like key insights that you had, especially um, when it comes to Jesus, like pointing out the fact that she's had multiple husbands and it feels like God, uh, like Jesus calling her out, but yet it's really an example of compassion and really meeting that need or figuring, trying to empathize with her. What, what, some comments on that. Yeah. Icky, I tell you what, like I am convinced. I, anytime I hear this story, this is my favorite like story in the book of John. Like I just love the way all the aspects of this, of Jesus going out of his way. He didn't have to go through that town. He goes at noon. I mean, there's just so much intentionality there, but bro, I honestly believe um, I preached that message. I can't tell you how many times I preached it. And for the majority of my life, I preached it wrong. Like I've just flat missed it. And I was the one that was like, yeah, Jesus was calling her out and you've got five husbands and how dare you and all this stuff. And you need me for forgiveness. 
But Icky, I remember one time um, I had a pastor break this down and he was talking about the cultural reality of what it's like to be a woman in the first century. She couldn't initiate those divorces. Like it was actually, I believe not Jesus calling her out, but actually Jesus meeting her in the midst of her shame, um, the midst of her grief and the midst of her, like basically being an outcast. And I don't know, man, what, what do you think about that? You serve people, you're in Houston, you're a local church pastor. You see people coming in and out expecting to be condemned, but yet Jesus offers something different. What, what, what say you? Yeah. Uh, and you know, this, um, probably like Denver, we have a growing <clears throat> homeless population here and we actually have a woman who for the last, I don't know, two weeks now, three weeks, month, has just been coming by. One thing I love about our people and love about our staff is just that compassionate response to this woman who's homeless and mentally ill. <clears throat> we don't treat her as an outcast or second-class citizen. We treat her as someone that created in the image of God and that um, yeah, just wants or needs God's love in a very tangible way. So my question is right back to you then. How do you as you, I mean, again, you and I know we work with athletes who have everything you they we'd want in the world, big house, big cars, multiple cars, lavish vacations, every material need met. So much of their brokenness and their shame and all that's been covered up by fancy clothes and the Instagram accounts and all that. So how do you minister to athletes and coaches who you know are ashamed of things in their life, who are covering those things up? In the same way Jesus did to basically say, but I know you, and you ask some questions and then you listen. How, how do you do that with professional athletes, Reson? That's a great question, Icky. I think honestly what Malcolm said at the end there, um, that's huge. Listen, dude, like there is a way for us to listen with our eyes, listen with our hearts, listen with our ears, you know, and this is just the context. You and I work in this context, working with athletes, but this, this permeates anybody like I remember I had a pastor one time say that everybody has three things in common. Everyone has a past, everyone has pain, and everyone has potential. Like everyone has those three things in common. And it, when, when you think of it that way, and you actually get like, when you listen to someone and you hear them talk about, man, I've got this going on and that going on, there will be little comments thrown in there about, man, I got I to gotta figure this out or you know, I'll, I'll just I'll just throw this out there. One of the things I think a lot of the the, the gentlemen that I serve, that I disciple, that I work with, um, when they are if if they're not if they're not dating when they come into the league, if they don't have a high school or college sweetheart, it is really difficult to to be able to find somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with because there is always this idea of how do I know if this person loves me for me or loves me for what I do, and it's a hard place. And I think just just hearing those phrases understanding the loneliness that every single one of us experience because we're creating the image of a triune God. So we, we crave relationship. I think if we just opened our ears more, I think we would hear and see what people are going through. And then we just get to come and not with answers. Like, I don't want to be the answer person. I don't want to be, when I was growing up, when I was growing up as a believer, when I first came, there was a guy on the radio, the Bible answer man, Great. Love him. Love the Bible answer, man. I don't want to be the Bible answer, man. I just simply want to be somebody that just guides people and points them to Jesus and helps them see that there is hope and Jesus is the one that can, that can fill them. So I would say, listen, what about you? Yeah, bro? yeah exactly. I think uh, when Jesus again, asked the question, one common thread I've seen Reza and maybe our listeners can probably sympathize with this as well is when I ask players, 
about their mom and dad. And what I find is this, many of the athletes that I work with were raised without a father. And there's a level of shame and there's a level of pain that's there because they remember the times when, uh, you know, whether it's high school or whatever, when they're having their friends and their dad show up and they know that, hey, my dad didn't show up to the game or to the signing day or whatever it is. And so uh, with that, it opens up an opportunity for me to, again, share the gospel, to talk about, you know, God, the father being the father you never had and having a family where you can have mentors and spiritual fathers as well. So, yeah, I think asking the questions and really listening, hearing for the shame and the pain and then addressing it again, not as a Bible answer, man, but really pointing them to Jesus Christ for sure. Yeah, it was a great way. Here's another thing. Um, then what are the Malcolm did a great job. He's a very clear, excellent communicator. What are the challenges, though, Reza, to incarnational ministry? What are the challenges there? Because, I mean, Jesus, he's God in the flesh. He, he's going to do it perfectly. But you and I know, man, ministry, as he's challenged us to take advantage of the opportunities like Malcolm did, is not always going to be what is it, 21 verses, squeaky clean, it gets done. There's going to be challenges along the way. So what are some of the challenges of incarnational ministry, Res, that you've seen? Yeah, I remember. So when I was pastoring at a, when I was a, I was a college pastor at a church, I mean, we had a, we had a, we had two high schools near the church. One was just a regular public high school. And the other one was like the alternative high school for kids that just learn differently, may have gotten themselves in a little bit of hot water, but it was just a different high school. So we would open up our building. And I remember the high school kids would come to our church and we'd offer free pizza and did all the stuff that you do when there's a high school near. And I remember like our carpet got so muddy and messy and dirty. And it was like, people were complaining about how dirty the carpet gets and the mud gets brought in by these kids. And I remember sitting in a staff meeting and our senior pastor was so mad. He goes, are you kidding me? We are like praying that God would bring people to church that need to meet him. And we're worried about the carpet getting messy. Like we'll get new carpet. We will clean the carpet if that means those kids are coming here. And so I think that's just such a great example. I think incarnational ministry, I think the, the, the hardest thing about incarnational ministry, it's not black and white. We want it to be black and white, bro. We want it to be clean cut hey, this is how it happens, this is what it looks like, and then we can put a nice, neat bow, have someone tell their testimony before they get baptized on Easter Sunday. Like, that's the good part, but the reality is, dude, incarnational ministry is so messy, it's so gray, it's so dirty, it's not clear-cut. There's going to be people in the church that think, nope, that shouldn't go that way. Others are saying, no, we got to serve them, and I just kind of put myself in the place of, like, the disciples. Like, they had to be so con conflicted because they grew up Jewish, and yet they're a part of this movement that seemingly to them might have been anti-Jewish culture, and yet they walk that line. I, that's one of the things, Icky, I wish we could hear some of the conversations that went on behind the scenes that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't write down because <laughs> they were too messy to go into the Gospels. You know what I mean? Like the arguments or, no, we yeah. shouldn't, Jesus shouldn't be doing this or that, and um I just wonder how much of that was going on. And that's what we experience, Icky. And I think that's the reality of incarnational ministry. I think we stay away from it because it's not clean. It can't be clean. It's got to be messy because there's brokenness and sin. Well, one day in glory, when I'm there with Peter and uh, the other disciples, we can hang out with them and ask them what was going on behind the scenes, you know? Totally. Yeah. Hey, was the last question for you before we wrap up is this. And so he talks about Jesus being intentional, right? It was intentional that he did this. So for you and I, we have chapel 
an hour before game time or on Saturday nights with the players at team dinner and all that. So that's intentional. It happens on a regular basis. But what are some other ways for our listeners who probably aren't chaplain to professional sports team who have a regular chapel and time to engage with the athletes that we can be intentional about the stuff that Malcolm talked about? Yeah, I think one of the things is, is simply being available. I think being available and being willing to be interrupted. Um, I, I heard a, a, a talk one time a pastor gave about um, the, the kingdom of God grows one interruption at a time. And I think, you know, I get like, I get into such my little world. Um, here's an example, bro. I, you know, you hear people, you go to evangelism conferences and you hear this person get up on stage. He's like this great evangelist. And he's like, man, I was on an airplane and I just prayed God would put the right person in the seat next to me. And they go on and talk about this great conversation, led the person to the Lord. And I'm like, well, I've already messed up because my prayer is Lord, don't let anyone sit by me, <laughs> you know, on the airplane. But, um, but I don't know. I just think simply being available, being interruptible, um, not holding onto our schedules or our agendas as tightly and maybe holding things a little looser and um, just, just being available to see people and just see what God does. I mean, I've had times where I walked into a coffee shop and I've got my agenda and someone comes and interrupts me and I'm so irritated, but I know that that's where the Lord had me and that's where the Lord had that person. Yeah. So, you know, I, man, Icky, I love this uh, time just, you know, talking about this, this, the story of Jesus and his interaction. I think it's beautiful. Thanks so much for your, for just your input, man. I love doing this podcast with you. Malcolm is an incredible communicator, um, man, between you and him. And I know the Houston Rockets are, are set. So thanks for, thanks for sharing with us. And thanks for doing this podcast with me, bro. Well, if you do enjoy this podcast, I just want to encourage you to rate us. That's the best way for other people to find out about this podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts, would you do us a huge favor? Would you subscribe or follow? Would you rate us? Would you let other people know about the Inside the Chapel podcast? Um, coming up, we've got different chaplains from Major League Baseball, NHL, Major uh, or NFL football, just tons of great content, great chaplains that are doing some great things in the world of sports. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Icky and Reza. Thank you.